Welcome to the Dangling Conversation. In this episode, I sit down with my oldest friend, Lucas Strunz. Lucas has one of the most unwavering characters of anyone I've ever met, and he always stays true to himself. He's an incredibly deep, creative, and critical thinker, and has an I-can-do-it mentality that I've always looked up to. We discuss our different backgrounds, me growing up charismatic Christian, and him Catholic, and how our views on religion have changed as we've gotten older. We discuss Lucas's artistic and musical pursuits, as well as his meme page, All Hail the Mat. Finally, for We Bid You Review, we discuss Taylor Swift's new album, Folklore. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Dangling Conversation. Yeah, Kathany Cake Tano here. Kathany Cake. <laughs> so, welcome to The Dangling Conversation. Here I am with the Lucas Strunz. How Greetings. are you doing today? I am doing quite well today. I'm here. <laughs> in, the, in the studio in the studio in my house it's decked out you know um we got the piano he has so much wonderful equipment his uh his professional standard cannot be understated yeah we're on a card table indeed <laughs> we're here to talk about some things lots of things um one thing that i wanted to talk about is growing up we we grew up in very different types of households how how long have we known each other? Has it been like sixteen years? I don't remember not knowing you, so you know. Yeah. Before the formation of my adult memory. There. <laughs> um, so we grew up in very different households. You grew up like pretty traditionally Catholic, yes. I would say. I grew up. It was in the, the beginning, I would say. Yeah. Pretty traditionally Catholic. Yeah, and I grew up in the more um, conservative Christian homeschool bubble. How would you say like? How would you say that one shaped you as to also how have your views changed up until now? Well, I think during, you know, during my most impressionable years, it's like, you know, your, your younger years, you kind of just take in what's around you. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course that's, that's survival. That's, you know, don't touch that hot stove. Don't, yeah. Don't jump off that cliff, you know? And I, I think it's fair to say that, you know, religion could religion could factor into that. You know, you believe what you're told because, you know, you're told these are the these are the important things to think and you're like, Okay, I've never experienced, you know, the phenomenon of hell. Right. I've never I've never touched that pan, but I'm just gonna take your word for it. I'm gonna say, you know, that's uh that's not something I should do. And of course, you know, you know, you're a kid. And I think the real test of time for a belief system is how well it can withstand um, the barrage of new information that you get as you grow older. And that was, that was where my biggest test I think came in like faith wise. It was always like, okay, I'm being, I'm being fed a lot of different sources. So, you know, how does my original input hold up and compare to that? And it did pretty well. Honestly, I was, um, I grew up um, going to the Catholic schools. And for those of you who don't know, Catholic school curriculum is kind of contradictory. You know, it's, uh, it's you'll be taught, you know, the theory of evolution in one, you know, a science class, and then that's back to back with like a theology class where you're reading scripture, and you're just expected to kind of integrate these all into your, into your perspective. And of course, you know, people end up with different opinions yeah. after eight years of that. What would you expect? Of course, if you you know you grew up going to like vacation Bible school like I did, you know, you go to these different museums and you're just fed this wealth of knowledge. Uh, it, it leads to, you know, a fair amount of personal conflict. I think that's that's just my main point. That's all I wanted to say in that. I mean, what would you say um, was your main takeaway from those those formative years? Those, uh, you know, obviously you kind of, 
you were educated in a different way than I was. Yeah. Um, I would say it kind of led to a lot of difficulty through middle school and high school because it was the very, um, it was, it was, I was given the perspective of like, oh, like Christians do good things. If you're not a Christian, you're not doing good things, so on and so forth. And I got, as I got older, I'm like looking around and I'm realizing like everybody's doing bullcrap. Like the people that were telling me that very thing had their, like their lives were just completely messed up by it. Like the church, the church I grew up in, um, it just completely tore apart. The pastor like cheated on his wife. Was this Crossroads? No, no, no. This was a harvest faith. Um, it was like the pastor cheated on his wife. He was stealing money from the church. It was like all this stuff. And, but these were the people saying like, oh, as Christians, we're supposed to live differently. And I'm like, I don't like, like, yeah, you can look at movies or whatever, but in all reality, there's not a ton of that going on in like the normal atheist's life. You know what I'm saying? Right. There are flaws in every community. Right. There's flaws in every community, but that kind of led into a huge, not necessarily identity crisis. It's like, okay, like what's real? If you're telling me we're supposed to live like this, but you're not, how am I supposed to how am I supposed to like balance that, you know? Yeah, I see that. I think the biggest realization I had in regards to like like my faith and religion was these really are human institutions. And whether or not they originated, you know, from a divine source, right now, at this very moment, every religious institution in the world is being upheld by humans. It's being maintained by humans. It's just people. People with lives and flaws. Mm-hmm. And I see that in the Catholic Church a lot. There's this there's this doctrine called papal infallibility, which pretty much holds that in matters mm-hmm. of morals and dogma, the Pope, I'm not actually sure about morals, in matters, <laughs> let me start that over, I know that it relates to um, certain categories of things, like if the Pope were to make a statement on uh, Catholic dogma, he could effectively change how the church is run. undermine an entire an entire thing. Yeah, which I find you know curious. Mm-hmm. Like, is, is this a person? Is he appointed by God? We know he's you know appointed by a council of cardinals and and it's supposed the to hierarchy. Be. And at a certain point, I just start thinking to myself, like, at what point was this ever? You know, this isn't foundational. This is just kind of stuff that we piled on top mm-hmm. for better or for worse. I'm not saying the Catholic Church isn't a force for good in the world. I'm just saying, you know, it seems a little ridiculous to think that this is the unaltered plan mm. laid down by Jesus Christ was to have, you know, this whole hierarchy and this. And I won't deny it. But like, you know, Catholics, they claim that uh they claim that this is the unbroken line and that Protestantism was, you know, the offshoot yeah. kind of, which I do get because, you know, you can trace the, the hierarchy of popes all the way back to the beginning with the right. exceptions of a few times when, you know, one guy would say on the Pope. And then the Pope <laughs> there was would, one time where like start a war. Yeah, there were like three guys who said that they were the Pope oh, yeah, and, and they, they all excommunicated. Yeah. Oh, they had kids. It was wild. So crazy. It's blurry, but theoretically you can trace it back to uh, the apostle Peter who uh, was appointed Mm-hmm. you know into that sort of position in its earliest form but again there's a there's a lot of fluff and uh, the catholic church also um it survives in a different way than i would say traditional christian um uh, non-denominational churches do which is in that the uh the catholic church bends and when i say bends Ooh. it means <laughs> it's like we can say you know all right we're going to kind of leave this thing in the past because you know we can't um, 
like in regards to science and uh, like evolution, the church, the church was against that for a while, but eventually <laughs> they just cut their losses and they kind of just caved. Apparently, like in the 1980s, they're just like, yeah. So, um, by the way, uh, evolution does occur, whether like you believe into like how far of a degree, but they just completely deny. It. They're like, no, this is unbiblical, so it's not true. Yeah. Whenever there was tons of science backing it up. Like, there's still the open conversation of what people want to interpret with that. But they just started at the beginning. They're like, no, it's not true at all, which is just ignorance. And we can't forget that the Catholic Church, you know, had its days in that sort of phase, too. They, You know, they killed Galileo because he said (laughs) that the earth revolved around the sun. And we know who, you know, was right in the end about that. Right. I think that, what was I saying? (laughs) Oh yeah, I was I was talking about the different uh, means of survival, which is to say that um, you know obviously the the more land that you're from also survives in its own way too, which I would mm-hmm. say is it's more or less it's it's more or less isolation. You don't want your kid to listen to this music. Yeah, you know you want them to listen to the Christian music, and you want them to go to the Christian museum. Yeah, because that's your viewpoint. Yeah, exactly. I get it because you don't want your kid to be exposed to something you perceive as false. But uh, it's worth mentioning that, you know, when you get input from different sources, you're going to end up with a jumbled, you know, mess of ideas. I think Mm -hmm. it is. It's kind of a beautiful mess. It's kind of a, you know, you want to you want to get this knowledge from other cultures, but it also isn't really, you know, in line with the mission. So, right. Do you see do you see the Catholic Church um, or Christianity as a whole um, dying out? soon or if it has to change how would it have to change well that's the thing i think that these are both very very valid defense mechanisms you know both um uh seclusion and isolationism mm-hmm. and that uh that shipping away at your original doctrine that that bending uh i just don't know which will hold up for longer because if the catholic church continues to undermine itself there was talk about um the pope like disowning the idea that there is a hell what this was actually a thing a few years back. Wow. Uh, nothing was ever really written in stone about that, but it just at that moment I was like, wow, like is this actually on the it's actually on the ballot that we're going to we're going to change that. Yeah. And uh, it's so weird cuz I've had Catholic teachers that will just go along with things like when this is the biggest this is the biggest oof I have <laughs> with the with the church's kind of like new new way of doing things is uh, Adam and Eve. So the Catholic Church refuses to kind of leave the idea of Adam and Eve in the past, but they also, you know, they also say that evolution, um, evolution works. Mm-hmm. So in their attempt to, you know, justify both ideas, they've created a situation where they're trying to hit two birds with one stone and they're throwing it in the middle and missing completely. Mm-hmm. They essentially say that, okay, Adam and Eve, well, they were given souls. They were insold. That's the word they use. What? Insold. They were primates evolved from uh, rudimentary mammals okay all the way up until the point that they look like us okay and then god picked up two of them and said you get a soul you get a soul <laughs> and that was that was adam and eve i'm not even kidding on this because i found this out last year and this was the moment i was just like what they make it sound like god is oprah exactly no it's like <laughs> I, see, I see what you mean yeah 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 just this it's so strange that you know, in your attempt to justify two different set, you know, sets of thinking, you created this hybrid that doesn't 
resemble anything yeah. in the classical biblical narrative or that the scientific community would accept. That doesn't make sense. How did like humans evolve to this point without a soul? Because, you know, the functions of the soul, and you can list them out, you know, you'll say that's our rationality, that's our emotion. That's brain function. Yeah. So how did this brain evolve to the point where it is now without doing those functions? Right. And then upon receiving a soul, gain the ability to do that. So that was definitely a breaking point for me where I just stopped taking it, you know, taking it at face value. I think I think one of the flaws of the Catholic Church specifically, at least like like I have I have quite a few like really close friends, like you being one of them, that is cat that are Catholic and that I hold in like a really high regard. But my problem with the Catholic Church comes from kind of what you said is that it's supposed to be the way it works is like the the, the Pope sets the precedent. Yeah. You're not a not that you're not allowed or encouraged to have like different theology or doctrine, but it kind of makes it so that oh you might have a personal belief that is different, but um, the pope the pope the head of what you're a part of yeah. has a different one, and an elected official yeah an elected official and that's why I like with Protestantism where it's kind of encouraged um, even though that there are like the bigger dom- denominations where. Yeah. Um, like, the, oh, you're part of the Church of God, you do this, like the president of the Church of God denomination, like whatever. You're allowed to have your own differing theology within that. It's almost expected. Like that was a huge thing um, for me through high school where they kind of taught like, oh, like this is this is what Calvinism is. This is Arminianism. And these are these right. doctrines in terms of how to interpret the Bible, how you go about your own personal faith. I really like that approach because it's just like, um, whatever you do, if this is what you're believing, you should be taking it directly from the Bible. And regardless of kind of what the world says, there's biblical explanations for they're just like the whole Adam and Eve thing. Um, my uh, Old Testament teacher basically pointed to that as a poetic narrative instead of a literal interpretation. Right. Um, I'm kind of still up in the air on my own opinions on that, but he basically pointed out... Um, says like god created the light and the dark but then he made day and night and at what point do you start extrapolating it's like okay at what point is it kind of running together and he points to most of genesis as poetry um and he says it one of the things he pointed to is it has a very specific meter a very specific tone um kind of like how in poetry has like repeating phrases it says it was created and it was good and then there was day and there was night but what's interesting is, like, before he creates, like, light and dark, or he separates them, I think is what's said. It also says, and then the day passed. Whenever there's I've always no wondered word. about the original Hebrew. Like, yeah. How does that, if, if you read that, if you understood it in this, the way that I understand English, right. you know, what would that reveal? Yeah. Because something has to be lost in translation. There's got to be some changes. There yeah. has to be, I just always, I thought that would be interesting to, to get a, you know, a crystal clear account of the hebrew which obviously i can't but right it could be cool i think i think that's a huge thing is also um kind of like what the catholic church did with martin luther whenever he said like hey we're doing all this bullcrap oh yeah they Um, were so corrupt they were so corrupt but one of the things that he pointed to is like everybody should have the right to read the bible and interpret it Mm -hmm. to what it actually says but then these like it was basically like the wealthy one percent were basically saying um, only we can read it, and we're trusting you to trust us. Right, and um, that was the printing press, and that was that whole literary yeah. revolution. Yeah, which I think was ultimately healthy. You know, 
I oh, think for it was sure. good pain for the Catholic Church, and they they started to realize, um, you know, we got to be a little bit more inclusive, and I think they have. Like they really, the mm-hmm. Catholic Church, they uh, they've strayed away from a lot of their dogma. Um, at a Catholic school, it's it's not a rigid religious environment. It's a lot of like you know, you can believe what you want. Um, we're gonna teach it this way, mm-hmm. but. Again, we're not going to kick you out if no, you're we're not like going to kick you out. There, there were so many like non-Catholics. It was, I would say, I would say only about twenty percent of the actual students subscribed to the Catholic doctrine, and that really? was you know, eighth grade, freshman year. I don't even know what it is, you know, when you get older, because I know a lot of people leave that institution yeah. as they get older. If you go into a, a, a church, you know, uh, it's it's a lot of seniors, it's a lot of old people, mm-hmm. and you can't help but look at that and think, "Wow, is it dying out, or do people just become more religious in their old age?" Mm. I don't know. Ooh. I don't know the answer to that. Why do you think that is, though, that people become more religious in their old age? I think people become more sure of themselves in their old age. I think. Have you ever tried, you know, having a a political argument with an older person? <laughs> like they they know they don't they don't think things they know things. They yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're not going to convince them otherwise. They've been on this earth for seventy five <laughs> years, and you're not gonna you're not gonna tell them whatever you're thinking because they know. There's, There's always that old guy that just like wants to that wants to sit you down and like give he's like well let me tell you let me tell you in my in my it's 70, always really aggressive it's always <laughs> like like let me give you the best advice i have to offer and you're like oh uh, okay yeah. no i know what you mean you know it's it's very strange how how the church as an institution has kind of defined itself socially mm-hmm. and philosophically because there's so much weird stuff like the adam and eve thing so many weird little tangents that get yeah. swept under the rug and and the more of those i dig up the, the less sure of it i become what do you think about like what do you think about um faith kind of becoming political because oh, we it certainly of... is it's geopolitical it's cultural yeah it's uh, look at the south the south is defined by that you know that christian that yeehaw christian values yeah, and the that bible belt that intermingles with patriotism mm-hmm. and uh, christian nationalism re- is christian a real problem like how did that even happen that's crazy yeah i don't see that any anywhere else in the world yeah this uh well besides maybe the middle east you know regional religion <laughs> regional religion yeah it's very weird and I, I i try to look at it through an unbiased lens you know like as a student of the world mm-hmm. but i can't help but get a little bit annoyed sometimes to be honest just well, you could point to that as being um, part of the isolationism aspect of it. Yeah, it's because, a big like, country. It's, it's, rural, it's a big you know? country. You're able to kind of separate. We're not in Germany. We're not in a little, right, you're little not, country the size of Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's kind of what's cool about America is yeah. that... Um, Until you're trying to control a virus. No, it's, <laughs> it's not that fun. I, my, I had a friend who uh, was just like, we should basically just tell everybody that's conservative... Go to the East Coast, and then everybody that's liberal go to the West Coast, and then we don't interact. And I'm like, wasn't that what the Civil War was? Yeah, kind of. I don't like one of the things I hate is that Trump is kind of pulling that like, oh, but like I'm a Christian, I stand for Christian values. No, you're not. not. No, you're not. He was a New York Democrat for the first sixty-five years of his life, which I think nobody wants. Like, he, regardless of what you think about him, you have to admit that he is not. He's not a farm raised, uh, good old boy. He's not a he's not a he's not a shining light of Christian values. <laughs> no matter how much he you know sucks up to the the South and stuff, 
Like this guy has been married three times. Yeah. He's cheated on two, probably three of them. Oh yeah. It's rough. It's it's just it's a weird cultural phenomenon. I don't get it. The more I look at it, like the less sense it makes. It just becomes an entirely it, it becomes one of those things where like, oh, he says he's with me. I'll vote for him. Instead yeah. of like, what is he who is he as a person? What does he stand for? And the opposite stands for Democrats. Or like whatever do you want to say liberals yeah. because then it becomes kind of the opposite thing of oh they say they're because we've made Republican synonymous with Christian and then and Democrat yeah I was talking to my dad about what conservative meant to him and I asked him that one time because I'm like like he's not like a he's not the type that's like gonna go on and on about the flag and the kneel like he doesn't care about that right 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 yeah he does call himself conservative so I'm like what does that mean and he's I mean it's about personal responsibility. Mm. And in that he means um, the government's not going to tell me what to do. Right. I'm going to trust myself and my family to do the right thing here. I don't want you to take my money and do something else with it. Yeah. Not going to take my money and do something with it. But I'm also like, okay, I get that. But you got to understand that you're in the minority in terms of what conservative means. Because a lot of people will not make that distinction between the social side and the the economic side. Mm. They want to draw them together. They want to just inter intermash the the Christian elements yeah. with the political elements. And in that in that sense it makes people take you less seriously. It's like yeah. you know, because we live in a in an explicitly non religious governmental institution. Right. That's that's a huge problem. I was talking with Your conviction can't outweigh your common sense. No no no. I it, it bothers me so much that like and this kind of happened in my schooling was that they're just like, oh, it's true because the Bible says so. I'm like, okay, cool. But I the know the world that. doesn't play by I'm those like, rules. But the world doesn't. So I'm like, get, like I went to the Creation Museum recently and I hated it. I had a friend that went there too. He was, yeah, because Jesse? yeah, because it just it. The thing that bothered me is that it basically said it's true because the Bible said so. I'm like, okay, like me as a Christian, you can convince me of that. But if I were to take like my atheist friend here, he's gonna be like. Well, yeah, of course you believe that. Are you sending kids into the world with that, with that level of you like, know argumentative skill? Don't you want to? So it was. It, it's 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 basically by saying like it's like the my dad can beat up your dad argument. It's like oh my dad said so. My dad look. My dad said this kind of thing. I believe it rather than like laying out the reasons why. I'm sure there's they. I'm sure they have scientific evidence, but none of that was on display, and it really made me upset. Because if you're going to tout this thing as like, oh, like this is Christian science, quote unquote, none of this is factual. It kept pointing to a Bible verse and then saying, believe it. What does that, what, what does that do for oh, anybody? Ken Ham annoys me to no end. And I, I, like, I, really, I, don't, I don't annoy the things that, you know, I don't avoid the things that annoy me. Right. I look further into it. It's not because I feed off of the, the primal rage. It's just that <laughs> I want to understand this person and yeah. why he's annoying me. And uh, he doesn't make a good case for for himself. I had a friend who went to the Creation Museum a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk Jesse. Yeah. And um, he went to see like the Ark, which I get. Yeah. And I haven't been there. Uh, and he just described it as like really surreal. This whole place. Like if you spend your whole life going to like quote unquote normal museums, and then you go there, it's just a different way of thinking. Dodd. It. Yeah. And the uh, last time I checked, there were animatronics of dinosaurs with the people in there. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a bubble. Yeah. And, you know, as someone who's kind of, I don't want to say I don't necessarily, I'm not a part of that bubble, but I try to have a foot in both doors in terms of right. like, and okay. That's, I like, think that's good. Yeah. Know? Like this is what's happening. 
in everybody else's life and this is what's happening in our bubble um and i think kind of having that compound ideology of like the combination of the two is is good because i'm i don't think you can give that to like a 12 year old and be like distinct distinct between the true of like what is true and what is false but as like a reasoning 19 year old no, that takes it down to the beginning you know yeah. like that those first years of your life when you're fed all these things yeah if you're if you're given one ideology you're gonna you're gonna you know subscribe to it for right. better or for worse obviously right. it's just the way it is but uh, eventually you're gonna have something that's gonna come into your field of view that you're gonna have to you're reckon with yeah is saving people like quote unquote uh-huh you know, is that a mission of the, that Christian bubble, that Christian movement? Yeah. Does it matter? Yeah. Like, do they really want to convince people to join so, their cause? So that's what's interesting is um, a lot of people, like, take discipleship classes and stuff, yeah. um, as well as outreach classes. A huge thing um, is volunteering. Christians are supposed mm-hmm. to view, one of the things that I've been taught is whatever you do, you should make it ministry. Your 9 to 5 job, be an example to those people that like that's why it's so important to like be honest about money like that's a huge thing yeah um you clock in you clock out at the right time so you don't fake your numbers you do it the right way regardless if you get recognized or not because acting in morality is supposed to be an example to others um so that's kind of a less like oh i'm out in the jungle of guatemala trying to reach the pygmies you know um but while we still have like those kinds of missions um i think one of the things is that going back to the Christian nationalism is because those two things have been forced together, speaking up about faith can be scary because it's like, oh, so you believe this, this, and this about how our government should run. No, I'm not saying that, but this is what my personal faith dictates, you know? This country's so weird in that (laughs) things get politicized that shouldn't be. I don't know. (laughs) It's crazy. It really is. Want to talk about music? Yeah, that's a hard segue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you've always got, like, a couple of side projects of whatever. Whether uh, that's that be, what's popping. Whatever that be. Um, if that's, like, YouTube or... Yep. Uh, I almost said Claymation, but you don't do that. What is it? Stop motion? That was a phase. That was a phase. Um, it was all phases. What kind of projects do you got going on now? Well, at the moment, I'm working on a musical album slash... Mixtape slash EP. Honestly, just like, how much how much can we crank out? How much can we crank out before like we all go our separate ways? Yeah, is yeah. The question. You, you like whispered mixtape. Like you didn't want to be promoting it on Spotify. <laughs> mixtape. Mixtape. Yeah. Check me out on SoundCloud. I won't do that. Actually, we we got rid of all that old SoundCloud stuff. Did you really? Yeah. Okay. Because we want to just have a higher standard now. We actually did. We made two projects. Um, we made. The most dangerous mixtape, and we made. You can skip this one. These were both <laughs> projects that took us about four months each to make. Okay. Um, me and a few of my friends. Um, they all come from different backgrounds and different places geographically, which is weird. We got a couple guys down in northern Kentucky. I always have to remember, like I'm so like my family is like more affluent and mobile, and I can just get in my car and go yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But the first thing I realized about some of these guys is, you know, they can't just leave their job for a day they can't take time off they can't oh yeah i gotta take care of my mom my dad or whatever it was definitely a setback and sometimes i wonder if people are as committed to it you know as i am because i think you know 
it was originally my idea, and I've been the one that's been pushing it forward. It's not to say these other guys don't have awesome ideas, right. and they're not putting in work, but um, my main concern is just getting it done. Mm. And I don't like to put things off because I've been making things for pretty much my whole life. Yeah. And I've come to learn slowly. It's a painful lesson, but you got to learn it that, you know, if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. And there's never a comfortable time to get started. You have to push through whatever it is. I would make so many videos. Um, that was pretty much my whole life since I was eight. I've been making these, these videos and I would always try to embark on these like bigger projects, you know, yeah. like, Oh, it's a 20 minute short film. It's, and I get started and then it would fizzle out because at a certain point, you know, it just doesn't become like worth it. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to push through that and I've learned to, you know, sit down and put the work in. Even if it's, I'm not feeling it that day, I try to put in like an hour and a half mixing vocals every day and I'm learning it okay. and I'm getting pretty good at it. But anyway, we got, let's see, we have one song that's done, but it will be a re-release. It doesn't really count. Uh, we got two songs near completion and we got a couple more in the can. Uh, as semi-completed beats okay. it's going to be rap influence but um, you know a lot of these guys sing play instruments my friend Josiah he's he's a whiz on guitar piano vocals he's really good um, we're going to get him working on some of this stuff don't want to constrain ourselves right but uh, to be honest rap is just easier you know like it just comes naturally to me when you can quantize and you can just like have a hi-hat that runs throughout the whole thing <laughs> Yeah, so what kind of, um, and you said it was a rap project, yes. but what kind of musicians or artists have influenced your style in terms of not just songwriting, but also producing? Uh, well, my, see, as a song, songwriting is so weird for me because when I get really caught up in listening to an artist, mm-hmm. like during my very long J. Cole phase, <laughs> wasn't proud of, you know, I would, <laughs> wet dreams. Oh, <laughs> I don't like that oh, it's, song. It's weird, I don't man. like that song. Well, back then I was feeling it. Now I listen to it I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> he gets entire arenas turned about, oh my God. You seen him live? Like people go nuts for that song. Going, going every lyric. And he says he had that song for five years before putting it out because he wanted to wait until the right time because he wanted the maximum amount of people to hear it. <laughs> he, That's so... And he was right. That's the insane thing. He was so right. People you know who it. really needs to hear this song? <laughs> Everyone's grandmother. Everyone's grandmother needs <laughs> yeah. to hear the song "Wet Dreams." Uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I really I took a page from him, and then looking back, I'm like, yeah, it's it's sincere. It's it's not. I won't call it corny, because a lot of people say, oh, he's corny. I don't think he's corny. I think he's sincere, and his fan base admires him for that. Yeah. But not everybody can do that. So uh, besides uh, Mr. Cole, there. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the um, Run the Jewels. It's uh, a duet of LP and Killer Mike. Killer Mike is crazy. Killer Mike is crazy. I <laughs> I love it. Have you seen his video with Joe Rogan where he's just like, I feel like every black person in America should own a gun. I'm a proud supporter of the NRA. And he's like, he goes on this <laughs> long rant about why. He's wild. He's insane. He's so funny, though. Yeah, and he, I mean, the rhyme schemes that these two put in, because they're both really gifted, like, songwriters. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's obscurity. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know what a lot of it means. They released a whole album about cats, right? What? Wait, you didn't know that? They have an entire concept album where it's basically their first album, but done in a cat I don't think theme. that was an album, though. I think that was, like, a, a loser project. Because really? Run the Jewels as a group has had the four projects. One, two, three, four. Okay. 
I'm pretty sure the cat thing is ringing a bell, but then it's something I've never heard. So. I all I listened to was the intro where they had Snoop Dogg, and he's just like, "Oh y'all, y'all, you guys are gonna do a a cat based project. You're gonna make a beat out of this. Meow 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 meow." <laughs> and then, and then they, they made a beat out. Of- <laughs> okay, so LP produces like uh, the entire. He's so he's so good, man. He's probably my favorite producer in the game. Really, but um. It's weird. It's weird beats. It's like a weird synth in this ear, and he's got a weird drum. Everything okay. is a little off kilter, a little bit off tune, but it's good. Um, he reminds me of like, uh, like Pharrell plus Tom Morello plus TV Static, all just mashed into one. <laughs> TV Static. It's wild. The, the stuff he comes up with. He, there's this show on YouTube called Record Roulette. I love that. Yeah, yeah. His, his episode is crazy. Really. And he's so chill. He's like smoking the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Just this, like, you know, 40-something-year-old Brooklynite. I love him. Anyway, the obscurity that these two write into their lyrics is just fascinating because when you have the type of vocabulary that they do Mm -hmm. and the type of, you know, experience, like, you can really pull off these crazy, you know, um, these crazy bars that nobody understands yet are completely enticing. And that's what I want to go for because I know, like, I don't have that, that seasoned sincerity to the point where I can confidently say these corny things and get away with them. Yeah, yeah. But I know that I can be, you know, like kind of outrageous and you know, I Off can tell jokes. Experience. Yeah. Comedy is what I feel strongest in. I always uh-huh. try to inject comedy into it because you know, I can write comedy better and I feel like I can write sincerity. Okay. But uh that that I would say those are my two main influences, just a combination of those. I try to keep, you know, a little levity. I don't want it to be too dramatic. Yeah. But I got some good beats I'm working on, so you know I enjoy it. Do you see it going anywhere, or do you want it? Is that even what you want, or is this more of a passion project? I want to get this one project out of the way. Okay. Um, I have uh, I have a meme page <laughs> that I'm growing as a pretty firm firm. That's follower. the most Gen Z nah. Gen Z sentence <laughs> I've this ever. Is, this is why I think I'm ahead of the curve because a lot of these guys. Like, you know, they're on their Snapchat story. Oh, check yeah, out please. my mixtape. Check out my boy's mixtape. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so fire. I'm like, I never click on those. But you know what I would click on? Like, meme format. Okay? Yeah. If you, if you like, run a meme page and you somehow incorporate your music into, like, you know, surreal, like, comedy. Because yeah. I love that. It's all, like, this surreal weirdness. Yeah. It's, like, cosmic, you know. <laughs> It's, it's crazy. There's so many like characters and recurring storylines. And it becomes it becomes it's like lore. Like it you know is, how you I know how a... Filthy Frank had like the lore where oh, he yeah, yeah, even yeah. released a book. It's trying to... characters. Yeah, it, it, that's what makes you keep coming back. Though there's this one uh, this one guy named Z and Zoom. I don't know if you guys know who Z and Zoom is. No. He's a meme page. <laughs> he is. He's like my mentor. I love him. <laughs> I've never met him. He's like a he's a he's a man from New Zealand. Okay. Anyway, uh, I got a plug from him and that really helped. Really? Yeah. That, remember the mustard pool? Uh, with the purple mat? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to kind of explain the meme page, though? Like, what's, right, what I have, your I have theme not, is? You're right. I haven't, flexed, you know, I haven't fleshed it out to the degree that I probably should here. Um, it's chronicling the adventures of this, this yoga mat. Um, and he kind of stands upright. <laughs> he stands upright. Now, the yoga mat, is, it's a weird choice. It's a weird choice. And it came about because my first failed meme page attempt was a green exercise ball, like a yoga. The church of the green ball. Church of the green ball. But that fell through. People didn't like it. So then I'm like, all right, um, let's create an enemy for him to fight. And it was the yoga mat. And the joke was Uh, they're both like, you know, workout. My cousin thought of this. It was funny. 
I was going to like bring a shake weight into it and a medicine <laughs> ball, but I didn't. But anyway, the match just took on a life of its own, and he, uh, he's conquering the U.S., and he's conquering all the countries in the world, and he's currently kind of in a space age, so... Yeah, we hit up uh, Uranus and all these other... Of course. No, it's funny. It's funny. You know, there's a lot of 13-year-olds on Instagram. <laughs> it's easy to make that joke. I don't think you'd understand the amount of depth that's going into this humor. <laughs> you have to have an IQ of... <laughs> it's like Rick and Morty. My t- <laughs> my two brain cells can't handle it. Yes. Uh, you, should I- do a, you should do a... Uh, he meets... Um, David Bowie, the uh, Z Stardust or whatever. Oh, I could. I could do something. Because like, I think there's a big you know, hipster community on Instagram. And they all know who David Bowie is. He's a god. I, you know what surprised me is Instagram traffic actually works. I didn't know that. Meaning what? Like, hashtags. I didn't know. Oh, no, they freaking do. The, I, like, first, the first post that I, like, hashtagged hard on, it got, um, let me see. Yeah, 1,380 likes. Really? See, yeah. I, see I, posted, I posted a... Uh, my last episode, I put in hashtag van life because me and my friend joked about that and how stupid it is. Well, the first three likes within a minute of it being up were van pages and I lost it. I didn't know like... Especially weird hashtags. See, you're allowed yeah. to do 50 of them, which is crazy. Really? So I, I, I max it out and I just do weird ones and it's always okay. like somewhat specific to the post. Like this is my last post right here. Uh-huh. Every time we flee, the ringed one pursues us. Okay. It's one of those things that holds soda cans together, and it's chasing a bunch of sea turtles. <laughs> it's like you have the baked meme format, you know? Like the highly saturated yeah, meme. I always do that. I crank that up. <laughs> I put a little noise, like fuzz on there. Yeah. There's a market for it, I'm telling you. Especially in this quarantine, there's so many pages that have sprung up. One of them is like an organization that worships an octagon. Okay. And there's another one that's a rectangle. Wow. They're like the polygons for sure. <laughs> I see. I always like the things that it, I feel in on the joke, and that's that's entirely what I feel whenever I'm like looking at your meme page. Is because like you, we've I've followed it since. There's you a made crowd it. that's been there since the beginning. Yeah, it's yeah. like like it kind of becomes one of those things where like, do you know white people humor on Instagram? I know. I could. Is this an <laughs> official brand? No. We, basically, he's got like three million followers oh, or whatever. Yeah. But one of the posts that he makes is frequently is jokes about his grandmother falling. And like he's he's been making it for like the past year and a half because like apparently his grandmother did fall and then he made a post about making fun of his grandma for falling, which is horrible. But then he got yes. all this backlash for like, how could you say that about your own grandmother? So he made it his brand. <laughs> so he made it his brand and he just went like he just went full into it. That's the way to do it. You can't you can't you can't back down you gotta do it like there was a um there was a comedian who talked about how whenever he makes jokes and he's going he's going a certain direction and people don't like it he fully commits to it like he started making like it was something horrible like 9-11 and then um like like the guy was making jokes you know this is i think it was andrew schultz i think it was burt kreishner um, it might have been him, um, but he was talking about 9-11, and he made a joke about it, and one of the guys was like, my wife died in 9-11. And he goes, like, was she hot? Just, like, completely, like... You gotta do because if you back out... Because if, if you, you back actually, down, you've lost the crowd. You, yeah, you've you lost push the crowd. In. I don't... I, I do I not... I do up. not condone jokes about I'm, 9-11. Naturally. Naturally. <laughs> I wish I had the, uh... I wish I had that bravado for stand-up. That'd be cool, you know? Yeah. 
I don't know if I could pull it off, but maybe give me 10 years and I'll be able to do something. I think I think the way you work, like Lucas, you're probably the most creative person I know because you've touched your toes in just about everything, whether that be like from music, from filmmaking, from, yeah, that's from right, meme right, pages. But I know you even write down jokes to practice on friends. I do. I actually... <laughs> Did <laughs> Wait, you write we'll, one we'll down? That, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Did you write down jokes for this? We'll get to that. I hate... <laughs> Okay. It's the segment that we planned. Oh, oh, is is now the time for it? I suppose it is. So, to close out the podcast, Taylor probably Marie Swift. <laughs> I don't know what her middle name is. Marie spelled with like three E's for no reason. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so yeah, we will be reviewing Taylor Swift's folklore Taylor album. Swift folklore. I'm gonna put a lot of Taylor Swift related hashtags about, in like, this post. <laughs> <laughs> it's about like uh, leprechauns and. <laughs> It's, okay, that's not. So, so like, I I wrote down like notes song by song because I, I just did like, not do that. I wrote down some general notes. I, I you know people. She says the f word in this album, and she says it multiple times. It felt like a middle schooler saying it. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? It was just her. like it, it, it was like a, a middle schooler because like I've had. I've had times where I've been around kids that I've known for years, and suddenly they get to that edge. Like they say, they say like they'll they'll say a square word, and then they look at me like they're looking for a reaction. That's exactly how it felt with Taylor. She's like, "I'm a bad girl. I'm not. I'm not." And that's the thing. The album wasn't even that at all. It was very relaxing, simple. Release a rap album, Taylor, and then she's rap before. She's rap before. I forget where it was. Oh yeah, no, it was. Was that the song with Kendrick Lamar? She has rapped. It was weird, and there was a lot of backlash, and then she backed out entirely. It was just one She song. didn't commit. She didn't commit. She didn't commit. I don't think she has, you know, quite the, uh, she's not a rapper. <laughs> so what are your, what are your overall thoughts on the album? Well, the first song is actually called Sip and Lean in the Club. <laughs> she really, what? she goes into depth about her, uh, her codeine addiction. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I was so she lost. Doesn't do that. <laughs> I just I can't get this out of my head. She's like a bad girl. It's funny. Uh, She's a. Uh, uh, it's it's the same variant of the love song over and over. Oh again. my gosh! Yes. I think maybe she could do. You know, she could stand a branch out. It's not like. It's not like she has anything to prove. You know. But she acts like she does, and that's the thing that bothers me. But this me. isn't like some ambitious production. This is just you know. The thing that bothers me about the album, the thing that bothers me about Taylor Swift in general is like, let me just say first, I do not like Taylor Swift. The most, I will I will say this, the most simp I've ever been was I listened to two Taylor Swift albums for a girl. Because wow. she asked me to. Whole albums? Two whole, like. She should have known. Not even, not even full albums. It was the deluxe edition. <sighs> so it was like an hour and 20 minutes each. It blurred together. It, it was. Um... It, I could have put it on loop and I wouldn't have noticed. Exactly. <laughs> the first song started playing again after I was done with this one, and I, it took about like thirty seconds to realize. You're like, wait, I listen to this. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very repetitive. You know, I try to pay attention to what she was saying. Yeah. But uh, did you did you have any thoughts on any particular like song? So the song, out? "The Last Great American Dynasty." I looked this up because she kind cool of cool title. Yes, actually, and I. And maybe this is my bias against Taylor and my previous simpage and being not yes. proud of that. Um, but I don't, I just don't like Taylor Swift. I don't like her songwriting. I don't like any of it. 
I love the song 22. I love the song Love Story. That's about it. Love Story goes hard. It slaps. So, but the thing is, this song has some interesting historical context and like parallels. Um, she compares herself to this woman named Rebecca Harkness, who married an inheritor of General Oil. Mm-hmm. Who so like this basically like millionaire in the nineteen eighteen yeah. nineties like J P Morgan type money, um and then he dies, and then this woman who basically got all his wealth just goes on this spending spree, and people are like you're the reason why he's dead because like she'd been married before and back in that type of age that she's like you're a black cat you're 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 a witch you're cursing people. But she didn't care, and she's just living freely and spending money. She sponsored Andy Warhol. Taylor Swift basically goes on to compare herself to this woman and basically say, we both ruin everything, but we love doing it. I'm like, that is not... Such a weird attitude. It's so annoying. It's so contrived. That's what it is. Yeah, no, I I get that. It's interesting to see her, you know, like... uh, What's the word for that? When you draw from another thingamabob. But you see what I mean, though. It's it's, yeah, uh, yeah. it's like love story. You know, she invoked something else. Yeah. And uh, the I thing I didn't get is she kept saying... Um, at least it's conceptually good. It is. I will, like, I will admit that. But the thing I didn't get was she kept saying, I had a great time running everything. And I was just left with the question, what are you running? Like, did you run somebody's life? Are you talking about like an ex? She talks about love like, a, like an eighth grader. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's like... It was so bad. Uh-huh. At least we had fun. Like, okay, get over <laughs> it. You, you could definitely, you know. It's like the the, the middle schoolers on Instagram. You could get married Instagram. and have five kids right now. Nobody would bad an eye. Nobody, Honest. nobody thinks Taylor like Swift a is thirty. Frisky teenager right now. And she and she started when she was like, seventeen. Oh, yeah, seventeen. What did you What did you think of the song with Bon Iver or Bon Iver? I don't care. It took me off guard hearing him. You know, at the beginning. Really? I just she's not the type. This of isn't respect. Taylor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, again, it's always cool to bring on features, you know. Not everybody works with that soft guitar kind of yeah. twiddling, but, you know, I yeah. can take it or leave it. I felt like it really filled the theme, because, like, you know, do you know any of his I know nothing stuff? about he's, he's, like, a solo, not a solo, Um, he's a folk artist. Yeah. So, if you want to fit the theme of folklore, like, it made sense. Folklore. folklore. Did you, um... I, I kept seeing this over and over again through the songs, talking about the repetitiveness, but the Chariots of Fire, I don't know why, but each song kind of felt like Chariots of Fire to me, and it threw me off. I didn't pick up on that, probably because I'm not familiar with Chariots of Fire. If I was, I could probably, I mean, they all do kind of sound the same. It's like the same drum kit, which like, you know. I'm so used to hearing these like elaborate rap albums yeah. where you're using a di- where there's like a different snare in every song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, here it's probably just it's a simple setup and one studio equipment. Yeah, yeah. So like that one, like a bit of a tangent. But I got a chance to listen to the the one album where like the the two things with the ears and one is eating the other. Twin Fantasy. What? Twin Fantasy. Car seat headrest. Oh, 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 oh! Yeah, it's right here. Yeah, that's a good album. But yeah. it is long. Um, and you said it's a little repetitive, which I agree with, but it's also, you know, really good. Mm-hmm. That's just to say that repetitiveness doesn't always, you know... Mean it's bad. Yeah, it doesn't always limit you. If you have a good formula, it's okay to stretch it out for a while. It's mm-hmm. just stylistic, and if you're saying things that are, you know, meaningful and you have a right pace, I just think Taylor, you know... She probably still has an audience 
in the same age demographic as she did five years ago. When did she drop that one album? That was 1989. It was like 2014 or 15. Yeah. That was when Frozen came out because I remember, you know. Oh my god. And my cousin, my cousins were the same age. And was that the song they were with on the Frozen scene, as well as that? Was that the album that had um, Blank Space? I think Blank Space. Let me, let me see it. You know what's bad is I remember those years, like the 2011 to 2015. I remember those exclusively by their YouTube rewinds. <laughs> that's true, man. And those went hard for a couple years before they trailed off. Ah, that's hot. That's hot. That's hot. <laughs> that got so much hate that actually, like, out of pure spite. The next YouTuber... Did you see the next one after that? Wasn't it just a, like a... T- it's a top... Um, t- it's a, it was Watch a Mojo. Watch Mojo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, were, and they, they definitely re- recognized that everybody hated the last one. I'm like, you're failing to realize why they hated the last one. They didn't dislike it because it existed. They disliked it because... It didn't know what it was. First of all, it didn't have anybody, anybody new in it. Yeah. Like, it's not here to, you know, to bring creators out of obscurity. Show me the people I already know. Yeah. Give me the running jokes again. You know, dive into what movies were popular. Like, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but they they really try to like include like German YouTubers and uh, yeah. Korean, and I don't have a problem with that. But you could also you know make different ones for the different lanes instead mm. of German Rewind or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the more chill YouTubers that people you know people like, uh, they they don't get the press and they don't really they don't get that recognition from you know YouTube corporate. I think a huge part of it is that the YouTubers that were really big were too controversial. Like the Jake Pauls, the Shane Logan Dawson. Pauls. Shane Dawson. Shane Dawson. They're not going to put Shane Dawson in like the... Yeah, he's not in anymore. But like, like, like if you look at the 2011-2012 one, I can... Those years, I could literally pick I could name pick everybody. And I could every name every person. trend and reference and stuff. Yeah, and it, it felt so clear. I think so the clear. last really good one was the one with Markiplier in it and uh, Five Nights at Freddy's and the, the blue and gold dress. The thing, The thing that... I, I reached this point where I realized I'm no longer the target audience. Yep. They're going for the 13-year-olds, the 12-year-olds <laughs> that, that, like, that are playing Fortnite and yeah. all this. I'm like, I'm not doing any of ninja, that. Ninja, man. It's ninja. Yeah. But, like, but I, I don't know because maybe I'm not the target audience and maybe people actually hated it because I they think didn't they did. choose anybody recognizable to anyone. Oh, uh, yeah. They always get, you know, like Will Smith. Like he, yeah, he joined YouTube that year. That's but why he's they not probably a YouTuber. Thought, no, give me the the grassroots YouTubers. Yeah, you Rhett know? and Link, Rhett and Link haven't been on it in the past three Ballers. years, but they've been still, going they're steady. They're still going strong. Yeah, do I they think, still do Good Mythical Morning, or is that yeah. involved in something else? Yeah, no, it's still Good Mythical Morning. Yeah. I think one of the things that's interesting is that they they found their format. You know, daily content. Yeah. Ten. I would rather watch that than Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> that's just the facts. Yeah, Jimmy Fallon. Uh, he had a few good years, but. I think overall, late night, people are getting tired of it. I think they want more of that late night, you know, stand-up hybrid like Trevor Noah. I like Trevor Noah. I haven't really, I haven't watched much of him. He's a really good stand-up comedian. I think people want crossovers in the entertainment industry. You know, you don't, being just a personality isn't enough, I think. You know, they want to see you do other stuff. They want you to, you know, be a, be a Swiss Army knife, be a childish Gambino, you know. Because mm. imagine. Dude, if child, if he had his own talk show. That's what I'm saying. Somebody who already is established in a different, you know, a creative lane. Yeah. And they come over and do something else. They already have a fan base. They already have a group of people that's going to listen to it. Yeah. So I'm just like, think of all the possibilities. And you see that a lot. You know, you see a lot of 
Like, remember Jeremy Renner? You hear about that? What did he do? He like he tried to launch a music career in an app, and it was really weird. What? That sounds <laughs> the horrible. Jeremy Renner app. The Jeremy Renner app was a thing. Is that what it was called? He tried to like. I'm see. I'm not exactly sure, but it was like a social media thing. It was like him attempting to, and it got shut down over security concerns. But I saw some good. <laughs> Jeremy Renner stealing your information. <laughs> This one guy, he doesn't even like sell to China or anything. He just he just keeps it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Taylor Swift's album. Okay, the la- the last point I wanted to make. The song "Illicit Affairs" pisses me. Was that off. the last one? No, 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 no. That was one? the like. That was like in the middle of the album. Illicit Affairs. It's the one where she talks about sneaking out of her house to have sex <gasps> what and oh. i was listening to this and i was I must like not have picked up on that taylor you are 30 freaking years old you are old girl like you're 30 you're 30 years old if you did that what what would that be <laughs> nobody's living... gonna pay attention to you like, oh my god i'm being so bad like you live alone you yeah exactly and if anything <laughs> your parents live with you you don't live with them you don't yeah. need to sneak out of your own house and if you're writing about when you were a teenager that doesn't make any sense either see this is what like this is the other point that makes me think maybe she's not really going for the, the kid audience anymore because she definitely was back then but now oh. it's like wait a second no this is this is this is what i think taylor did i think what she did was she was sitting in her writer's room and she went to her producer she was like what are the kids what are the what are these kids like they're they like their tiktoks they like their instagram most of all these teenagers they're horny they vape and they bone they... <laughs> but like interesting but like I, I, I genuinely think she was just like, oh yeah, but the, but they're horny and I can mark I can market to that. I can I can speak to their image. You know, parents parents just don't understand, you know? I gotta I gotta I gotta write a song and catch it's like Drake. Drake writes songs exclusively Drake to is get a sellout. He's a simp. He's a oh, simp man. for the top one hundred. TikTok, man. And like like the, like the Tootsie slide. Uh there I was lost all respect after I heard that one. I, I saw know. an interview with a producer where he was just like, Do you know how many freaking record label executives come to me they're like could you make this more tiktok it was and like that's the thing that bothered me about this song with taylor is like first off this is not a first person account because if it was you are 13 years removed from that you're weird and bro yeah like that just makes no sense and you know people write as characters a lot um, right but take on another character and they'll right from that but if you don't make it ex- you know explicit yeah if you don't say you're doing that then for all intents and purposes we you think are it's you you yeah i just it's just i guess it's 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 suspension of disbelief and some people don't care you know they don't yeah but like i think about like these uh like older think about like if snoop dogg put out he put out a record last year i think he put out a gospel album three years ago a gospel album. I yeah know before kanye <laughs> but you know when snoop dogg talks about you know, or like Eminem for that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna call my boys and we're gonna like, shut up, dude. Oh my god, just just retire. Snoop Dogg's 48. Snoop Dogg is. I actually, I thought he was older. I thought he I was. I always too. thought he was a lot older because he's you know very seasoned. Yeah. And then Eminem, uh, I don't know. He's like 43 now. No, Eminem's almost 50. Eminem is older than Snoop. Is he? No. He's got to be. Let me Google that. Wow, I think he is older than Snoop. No, no, no. Snoop is 48. Eminem is 47. Wow. He's five years younger than my dad. Think about that. That's wild. Because Eminem wasn't actually that. Like, because now you get rappers coming onto the scene. They're like 18. They're 17. <laughs> Lil Mosey. 
<laughs> was he like 14? Is he actually? No, he. I'm not. I'm not saying he's now. I think he's probably 18 now. When but he... he was really young, and it's almost like, you know, like somebody just finds you, and you're not even talented, but you have something about you, and they just like, you know, make a song. The thing, the thing that kind of I don't like about now with people going younger and younger is whenever they're talking about their problems, I don't relate to it at all. Like, it's all high. Like Juice World, everything. Like he has a song where he's like. All I want is drugs and love. He was 18 when he released that song. Yeah. I'm like, your problems as an 18-year-old are so benign. Like, they don't matter at all. If you're, like, 25, that's what that's kind of what makes more sense in, like, gangster rap, I guess, is, like, I'm seeing this death. I'm seeing this. I'm seeing my homies die. It's like, I believe you. But whenever you're whining about, this girl won't love me and I just want coding. They can't coexist. Like, you can't be hard and be like that. No. So if you want to be a soft boy rapper, yeah, that's commit. Commit. <laughs> commit. The theme of this All podcast in. is commit. 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 Put a ring on it. Yeah. Well, what would you give Taylor's album out of ten? Ooh. If you're Anthony Fantana over here. I'm feeling a. <laughs> I'm, feeling, I'm feeling a light seven. I think I'm feeling a light light three. I was just because you know didn't take many risks. Just yeah. you know. It's just Taylor putting on a cowgirl hat. Or one of those like indie wide brim hats, you know what I'm talking about? You see people at coffee shops yeah, with those. Me. Yeah, I would give it. I would have given it a four because there was two songs I liked. There was two like Invisible Strings, I think, and uh, Cardigan. Cardigan, but, yes. Cardigan. Okay. That, yeah. Listen, if you're gonna listen to one song, listen to Cardigan. Was yeah. Good. I really wanted to hate on this album. I hated this album so much. Uh, so thank you so much, Lucas, for giving me an opportunity to hate on it. Well, my pleasure. Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, no, not at the moment. Just uh, maybe if you were feeling considerate to the extent that you might be willing to follow a meme page. The name of my meme page is all underscore hail underscore the underscore. <laughs> all hail the mat. All, all lowercase. Go get it. Go check it out. Soak up my juicy lore.